John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have accessed entry 965.je4615, certificate number 15163. The Pope Mobile. Is this the only time I will ever do a car show? It finally aligned with my uh, interests. Hmm, I'm trying to think of what another car you might do. What about the uh, what about the Munsters, <laughs> like uh, hearse mobile? Do you think we could get a whole show out of that? The Munsters car. <laughs> I bet you. I bet you could find a way. Like I think Herbie the Love Bug, we could get you know yeah. 45 minutes out of Batmobile. But... How many Batmobiles have there been? We could do a Batmobile. Show. Yeah, and there's a bunch out there. Like collectors collect them and drive them. Yeah. Um, I think I've seen one. Also, I just found out that um, Adam West went to Whitman College in Walla Walla because I was just in Walla Walla. And uh, Adam West, one of the one of the most famous alumni of, of Whitman. I didn't realize. Is he a Walla Walla Wallaian? Yeah, I think he is. Walla Wallaian? Is that true? Walla Wallaian. Sounds Hawaiian. It does. Yeah, we're, st- we're going to stay down in Walla Wallaian. The resorts are so nice. I, I I got criticized because I say Walla Walla instead of Walla Walla. Walla Walla. So I'm also a Washington native, and we always said Walla Walla. You yeah. say Walla Walla? I say Walla Walla in the same way that I say Eugene. I don't yeah. know why. It's just how it's just how I am. It's just how I was made. I have tried to train some local friends out of saying Eugene, and they're not having it. No. It I'm, just keeps coming back. I'm just how God made me, sir. <laughs> Is... Um, we just had an Episcopal priest from Walla Walla on Jeopardy last month. Like oh. he he uh, he won, I think, four shows. He's going to probably be back for the Tournament of Champions if if uh, historical trends hold. Is that godly? Oh, I guess the Episcopalians, depending on which branch, and I'm guessing he's part of the acoustic guitar playing branch. He looked look it look yeah, it. Yeah, uh, they can do almost anything they want. But I thought it was the perfect Jeopardy bio Mad Libs. An Episcopal priest from Walla Walla, Washington. <laughs> Uh, good old Walla Walla. No, the Popemobile has little to do with Walla Walla and has never been to Walla Walla. Guessing not. But it's been all over the world. I think it has. Because there is no single Popemobile. What? And in fact, at any given, it's not like there's a Popemobile at any, uh, you know, a Popemobile stays the Popemobile until a new one comes off the, um, the assembly line. Basically. Anybody can make a Popemobile? 
<laughs> you it's, like, to, it's like a kit. You just have to believe and be the vicar of Christ. No, wait. Did you do the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile? Oh, no, I didn't. That could be an omnibus for That's sure. totally an omnibus. So apparently all my shows would have Mobile at the end. I have seen the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile several times in my life. And you're saying the Pope Mobile is uh, as or less prevalent than a Wiener Mobile? I believe in the Vatican, you're more likely to see a Pope Mobile than a Wiener Mobile. Um, it's because any any car the Pope is in kind of becomes the Pope Mobile, but oh. it's it's like Air Force One. Oh, I see. I mean, it's not like a call sign that gets assigned to him, but you know, in the popular nomenclature, like if the Pope's on tour and he rides through Montevideo in a certain car, that will be thought of as the Pope Mobile. I assume if you're just does that mean anytime he gets into a car, it becomes the Pope Mobile and it stops being so when he gets out? Well, that's what I want to know. If, like, if, let's say you let's say you're driving down the highway in Italy, yep. you, p- you pick up a hitchhiker, and it turns out to be look, it's Benedict the Sixteenth. He's been he's been hitchhiking from Castel Gandolfo, and his Vespa broke down. The second he gets in your Fiat, does it become a Pope Mobile? What I want to know is if you then sell that Fiat, can you say for sale? Pope mobile. Oh, does it stay the Pope mobile? Yes. Once, I mean, if a Pope blesses, uh, like your baby or a gourd, right. it's not like that gourd is not blessed by the Pope as soon as he blesses a second gourd. Is it your the position that when the Pope's butt hits upholstery, it blesses it in some way, or do you think you would have to get him in your car to be like, "Hey, uh, Your Holiness, is there a is there a prayer for a for a Yaris?" My guess is that. Uh, the Pope blesses the Pope mobile before he gets in it. The Pope isn't going to get in a Pope mobile that isn't pre-blessed, is he? Do you think there's like holy water in with the antifreeze? Uh, well, I, no, I don't think so. I do not believe the Pope blesses every um, mode of transportation he enters. In fact, except you know, just with his kind of generally beatific presence yeah i feel like the, pope, the same way i bless a, a room when i enter it. the pope getting in your car turns it into a pope mobile and it is then transmutated oh like transubstantiated permanent, yeah per, <laughs> permanently into a pope mobile my car is now part of the body of the vicar of christ yes by virtue of once at one point having the shoes of the fisherman there yes um I, again, so I don't have a lot of automotive expertise as we've established on the show. So I'm I'm probably going to need your help here as I go through various models of uh, 20th century Mercedes Benz. Okay, but I feel like I feel like you're going to be up to the task. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll be able to work it out. But how long have they been Mercedes Benz? I have a I just have a sense of them not having always been Mercedes. Am I wrong? <laughs> going back to Mussolini, they there have been there have been other Popemobiles as we shall see, but um. But the Mercedes-Benz has uh, supplied a lot of His Holiness's most typical rides. Um, but again, it, it varies a lot. Not because he's some Jerry Seinfeld type who's always picking you up in a different weird car, but just because he travels a ton and local um, organizers will provide a lot of the cars in which you see the Pope on, his, uh, on many of his appearances. Have you ever seen the Pope? No, I've seen the Queen. Oh, but not the Pope. Uh, we, we've probably never discussed the Pope on Omnibus. It's uh, we're, we're papally lacking. We have we have rats on every episode, but we have not discussed the Pope. And the Pope is seeable, of course, because he often comes out of his you know St. Peter's uh, Basilica balcony of a Sunday, right, and blesses right. the assembled crowds. Have you ever gone to that? I have been to St. Peter's a couple of times. I have never seen the Pope. Mm. 
uh, at Me St. Too. Peter's. I was there at a weekday. Oh, but you saw him like down the street at a, at a Taco Del Mar? No, the Pope came to Anchorage in 1982. <gasps> the Pope came to Anchorage? Yes, it was a huge deal. Probably for Anchorage, but not for the Pope. <laughs> well, you know, it was so it was March and there was snow on the ground. It was still very cold. And um, although March is not very cold, but it was it was snow on the ground cold. And he gave a big, uh, he gave a, like a big concert, I guess. What is the, what is it? Probably not a, a concert. When the Pope stands on a stage. Could it be a sermon? Maybe. Yeah. They're, they built a big stage at the end of the park strip, big sound system. And like. And he played a concert. Lots of people came. He played the uh, national anthem on the, on a Stratocaster. Of Poland? Of the Vatican? <laughs> yeah. The yeah, national anthem those. of heaven. He played the national anthem of every country he'd ever visited. It was a 16-hour concert. What if he was just strumming an acoustic guitar, singing kind of youth pastor stuff? Like, like, Do you guys like Morning is Broken by Cat Stevens? Hey, everybody. Two, three, four. Why can't we all just get along? <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that the Pope Mobile that he had up there was... Was it a snowmobile? Well, I feel like at one point he was in a Cadillac, and then at another point he was in a helicopter, but then he was also in the back of a pickup truck, maybe, that had... Some bars welded around it? Yes. I mean, what not, year did you say this was? 82. That is exactly the year when he would have been in a well-welded pickup. And for reasons you might be able to guess thinking about it. But um, but let's talk about that. The Pope, um, you know, the papacy is an office that goes back, uh, you know, nearly 2,000 years. All the way back. All the way back. Going all the way back. Um, to the Pete, right? The, to the big Pete? The original Pete? They, yeah, the the uh, the line of of Catholic the popes that the Roman Catholic Church traces now does go back to Saint Peter. Um, but who was the next one after Peter? <laughs> who was like the second pope? P- Peter the second. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think the early lineage there probably owes more to church tradition mm-hmm. than to any actual written history. But of course, you know, it's very important to the theological claims of the Catholic Church that when Christ tells Peter, hey, buddy, uh, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. What Jesus meant was, you're the first pope, right. and all the other guys after you are essentially St. Peter, but, you know, with nicer clothes. But for 400 years, it, the, the pope was just, the, like, was just reply guy, it's right? Just, it's, like, ma- it's made up names. Like, they yeah. went back after and were like, uh, Sebastian the first, uh, Oscar the first, Sebastian the second. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of kind of, uh, retroactive medieval tradition going on. By the time of Augustine, there was a knowable Pope from then going forward or no? Yes. Augustine would have been writing from a time when there were historically verifiable Popes. I think there's pretty good attestation for Clement the first, uh, who would have been Pope in the first century AD. Oh, okay. So, but know. then did the timeline get broken at any point or Clement and then ev- everybody after we know? No, I bet there's, I bet there's some, some murky, gaps. murky places in the record. Plus all the heresies and anti-popes you would expect when you tell this story. Listen, I count Which every we're not going to do. I celebrate every Pope. You celebrate even the anti-popes. I do. I, I mean, I'm, I'm always kind of worried about what happens if a pope meets an anti-pope. Like, what, he goes to Avignon oh, and then... Come, he, going through the rye? Ma- a huge explosion. Right. Because, um, you know, all the particles in an anti-pope have reversed, uh, you know, charge and polarity from from the particles in the pope's body. I still ride for Avignon as the... As 
Do you feel like Pope House? Do you feel like Vatican City should move to Avignon? No, but I, you know, why not have uh, why not franchise? Like have a have like local, they did in Constantinople. Have local popes? Yeah, like a like there should be a French pope, right? Well, they're card- I mean, they're, they Henry have cardinals. VIII said he was the English pope. They have cardinals. That's not good yeah, enough for you. I guess that's right. I, you know, my Catholic theology is so splintered by having gone to Jesuit school. I've got seventy different Catholicisms in me now. What's the perfect number of pope? Like, if there was a pope in every town, it would just be a bummer. It would be like the honorary consul to Ireland, right? And it's just some dude in the suburbs. Well, that's the thing about all the Orthodox religions, right? None of them have popes. They all have, they have patriarchs. They all have patriarchs. But how are those? Those are pretty popey. Those patriarchs. They don't have a beanie, and they don't have a Mercedes. Ben's touring car, right. and maybe some of them And do. nobody in Bulgaria pays attention to the Serbian one, but still, it does feel like does feel like there are other options, like but maybe, I'm pro-pope. Maybe one per continent. There should be like okay. a North American pope, a South American pope, and an Australian. It should be like a risk board, an Australian pope, and so on. I don't think that Cause works, because I think the Italian pope counts on all the Spanish Catholics or all the all the South American Catholics to like really bolster his position. Well, it's true when he goes to Norway, and there aren't as there aren't as many. Maybe it should be like uh, you know, if there were too many, if there was a Disney theme park in every city, like Wild Waves, nobody would think it was special to take a Disney vacation. Disney vacations hinge on the fact that there's you know only five or six places worldwide where you can go. So maybe there should be five or six kind of mini continental vaticans you should be able to go to and then maybe catholics will want to collect them all like oh we went to we went to pope land last summer can we go to pope world can we go to tokyo pope world mm, i feel like if there's only one god ken then there's only one representative of god and right there it's very problematic look the first thing christ did was like get 12 guys he wasn't like hey. i he's, he wasn't like look good point i only want one follower the rest of you can deal with him good point he had 12 guys but they didn't say, wow, this Christ thing is so cool. Let's like get a Christ for every town in Jerusalem. No. I mean, there is a Christ every, for every I'm city sorry, in every, South America, but it's a, it's a massive concrete or, or, or marble or aluminum Christ up on the hill. Right. Um, and it's, you know, it's how you find your way around. But as you, it won't surprise you to learn that even though there's a 2,000-year history of the papacy, murky in spots, he has not been tootling around in a Mercedes for all of that time. Right. For much of history, uh, when the Pope had to parade or process in front of an audience, he would do so in a uh, sedia gestatoria, uh, Latin for chair for carrying, which just is... They carried him on their shoulders? Yeah, on the shoulders of 12 men, perhaps yeah. perhaps a reference to the... Uh, the apostolic calling. I'm going to say absolutely without question, uh, uh, like a hat tip to the apostles. No, what if it's to the labors of Hercules? Which came first? Or the, the tw- labors of Hercules? The 12 original episodes of Faulty Towers. Like there's mm. lots of, there's lots of things that could uh-huh. be. So he, so it'd be the kind of thing where he's up in a nice chair and they're, they're really hoisting him up so he can be seen above the, above the throng. To get around in a nice way, he would often do what what medieval royalty would do in subsequent. He'd actually have a one of those sedan chairs. Um, you know, the city gestatory, he's out in the open. A sedan chair is more like you have your little booth. Yeah. With and a, there's a door. There's a door and a nice silk throne in there. And if it's a if it's a French dangerous liaisons kind of scenario, you're getting up to some hanky panky in there with a lady in waiting. 
But in the case of the Pope, you know, he's just right. in there thinking clean thoughts yep. and, uh, and waving to uh, his, uh, not followers, his, uh, his flock. If you think about the miniseries Rome, it could be a, a, like a, a sedan that it, that's kind of covered in gauze, like gauzy fabric that kind of blows in the wind. Oh, is that what they had on HBO? You, yeah, it lets you get a little glimpse of the Pope, but without seeing too much. But the sensual gossamer uh, aesthetic is something that maybe works better for a Roman emperor than for a Pope, right? Yeah, but there have been a lot of different interpretations of how ascetic a Pope should be. That's true. Even in our, even in the last 30 years, as we shall see, there has been some discussion about that point. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of discussion early on. It was basically recognized mostly by the Pope that he should have a lot of really nice stuff. Absolutely. Um, so he would have a silk throne when he was in his sedan chair and, you know, he's still being carried on poles by a bunch of guys, but not 12 guys up on their shoulders. Um, traditionally when the Pope, a new Pope was elected by a, a convocation of cardinals, a conclave. There we go. I knew there was a better word. Uh, he would arrive in Rome on horseback. This was a tradition. It was just how it was generally done. How people got around. I mean, it's and it's how uh, they were bishops of various kinds who were probably itinerant because they would have to visit various yeah. congregations and do mass in various places. But, but so they presumably were, they were he used was, to riding horses. He was also a cardinal, so he would have been there already. Did he then, once he was elected, did he run out of town and then come <laughs> back on a horse like, ta-da! Maybe he was too modest. I, you know, they're, I feel like I'm a favorite. I'm not going to go and oh. I'm not going to go to the College of Cardinals oh, and put my own name in the. I see that. No, but you're right. It is t- today that when the Pope is elected, it's typically someone who is there in the conclave. Right. And, you know, in some cases, it's like, probably... Ooh, 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 me, me, me. I think in some cases there is a lot of... You know, there's a there's a certain amount of Kremlinology at the Vatican of people mm-hmm. following who the different blocks and voting blocks and uh, and theological or ideological um, factions are. People go in with an idea, right? Nobody's like, I've never heard of this guy. Yeah, it's just like the Hall of Fame. You know, the Baseball Writers of America have been thinking about this for a long time. They've got some idea of who a first ballot pope would be. I wonder um, who the Pete Rose of the College of, of Cardinals is. I think that you can find a list of kind of near popes, like the guy that everybody was kind of convinced was the up and comer, but after the second ballot, you know, votes started to shift to the right to this other Italian guy or this, you know, Angelo, whatever, or this more conservative or whatever it was, um, because it, it takes multiple ballots, and so factions and alliances shift like a reality show. No, but it's kind of fun to imagine the Pope kind of galloping to Rome like a. Pony Express rider, mm-hmm. you know, ready to heed the call, ready to yeah get that ring and hop on that throne. Um, make way, make way! Because we don't really imagine the Pope as an action hero, although that does seem like a a niche that some movies should fill. Yeah, some of them. What well, what about Die Hard? Die Hard in a Die Hard, but in a basilica. Like exactly. only the Pope is a. Uh, you know, some international, shadowy international terrorists are trying to take over St. Peter's, and the Pope is the only one in there. Yeah. And luckily, he knows where all the the tricks and the traps are, so you can outwit them. Se- secret doors and the frescoes and whatnot. But isn't this the plot of Godfather 3? <laughs> no. <laughs> Immobiliare. <laughs> if anybody has seen Godfather 3, they will not remember the plot. But it does, re- you're right, it does revolve around the Vatican real estate scandals of the, the real life ones of the... 60s? Mm, 50s and 60s, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Please don't write to us, Godfather 3 fans. In the year 1800, it was Pius, newly elected Pius VIII who broke that horseback tradition and actually hopped in a carriage. And from that time on, for the rest of the 19th century, 
popes had a series of pretty nice carriages, which, uh, the Vatican being the Vatican, you can today visit in the Carriage Pavilion Museum. Oh. And they're all super nice with the gilded trimmings and all the gold uh, uh, fancy uh, engraving that you would expect. Red velvet upholstery within an inch of its life. Mice as footmen. Uh, yeah, mice. The second you turn into Pope, uh-huh. all your mice become your... Yeah, I can imagine a young Pope Francis with his pet mouse that he keeps in his hat, but then the second he, the second he becomes Pope, is invested as Pope. So this original, like, I'm not riding a horse, uh, I want a fancy carriage. Is it because he had gout or because he was that much fancier hmm, than the last That's an interesting question. Pope? You have to think that longer lifespans might figure into it. I haven't looked at the numbers, but... No longer think, 35. Yeah, you'd think that the average Pope in the 19th century is a little older than the average Renaissance Pope, and that therefore maybe they do want a comfier ride. Yeah. Or maybe he was like a real nerd who had been in the library all those years and had never learned to ride a horse. He was like, I'm dealt with to take a horse. I'd like to ride in a carriage. He's like a, a, a gangly Ichabod Crane yeah. type Pope. Uh-huh. Um, they And there might also be just some, the luxury creep of, as you know, kings were no longer just out hunting on their steeds either. They had nicer and nicer stuff. And so for the Pope to, you know, as we'll see until surprisingly late, the Pope had his own, Papal states. He had his own yeah. chunk of Italy that he controlled politically as a reminder of, of uh, you know, the kingdom of God that he also had power over. King of Rome. Well, there wasn't really an Italy until a- even after this. Let's get to that, in fact. Um, from 1849 to 1929, there was no Popemobile because the Pope pretty much didn't go anywhere as a matter of protest. I mean, it's, it's not really a Gandhi-like hunger strike when you're the Pope in your palace. Um, but this was the time of what came to be called the Roman question. Uh, Italy had been unified in the 1860s, um, and that unification had ended the political power of what used to be the Pope's earthly domain, the Papal States. Right. And His Holiness, various His Holinesses, were pissed. Pius IX excommunicated all the leaders of the Risorgimento who, who's, who took his property, whose revolutionary had unified Italy, but yeah, thus taking away uh, the Pope's um, backyard. Um, he declared that he would never, even though, even though the new Italian leader said, no, you know, our country is 97% Catholic. You're the Pope of, of course you can travel. Does the Pope, is the Pope Catholic? And does right. he, does he travel in Italy? Right. Does um, he poop in the woods? But the Pope said, no, I am a prison, now a prisoner of the Vatican. He basically took his, took his orb and went home. Ugh, what a drama. Pope. And said, I'm just going to sit here in the Vatican. Boo hoo. And in fact, he would actively it was kind of a time of act where the Pope would often give sermons discouraging Italian Catholics from participating in the process. Don't recognize the legitimacy of this new government. You saw they took all my, they took all my nice stuff, right? All my vineyards and whatnot. Uh, and so the question of what to do with Rome became a, a, a thorny socio-politico-religious question, not unlike the, the um, destiny of Jerusalem today where various, you know, essentially two-state solutions were proposed. You know, could Rome be the capital of Italy, but that's in name only, and actually we rule from somewhere else, kind of like the Tsars are in Moscow, but it's actually St. Petersburg. Or, you know, is there a way that we could split Rome between the two, you know, the, a religious part and a secular part? And um, 
It was the, thorny. The papal states were the entire center of Italy, yeah, including it was, Rome. It was Lazio and and all the, you know, he had a good chunk of Italy. Yeah, um, and had you know for centuries this was this was a tradition that the Pope, the the center of the church would be, the Pope's own lands, much as a king would have his own kingdom. Right. Um, and this went on until 1929, and finally a hero enters to resolve this. Mussolini! We gotta love... Ben- no, you don't have to love Benito Mussolini. Um, he didn't actually make the trains run on time. And now that the fascists are back in control of Italy, maybe womp, womp, maybe it's womp, a little less timely to make Mussolini jokes. But at the time, boy, he was a vibrant young news reporter. He, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he was like a... He was a plucky young reporter on the case. Uh, no, he was a newly elected prime minister of Italy... And he wanted to solve this problem. Um, you know, if you read the Catholic accounts of this, you know, um, Mussolini's really an enemy of the Pope and is trying to curtail his power because in hindsight, we don't want to make it seem like there's any kind of alliance between Italian fascism and the Catholic Church. No, the Catholic Church has a great record with European fascism. <laughs> yeah, in hindsight, I kind of wonder if there is an element of, you know, Mussolini wanting a strong Christian authoritarian fascist Italy if he if he wants to make sure that this is settled and the Pope is co-opted and is a can be a symbol of a patriotic Italy, you know, much as just as the Roman Empire is, you know? Yeah. So, you know, he wants this Roman question solved. But wh- whichever case it is, the Lateran Council, the Lateran Pact is signed by the King and Mussolini and the Pope, which basically creates the modern status quo. There is a little Vatican City which is weird because it's a country, but also it's inside Rome. And the latter impacts are funny because it's like, okay, fine, we'll give you a post office. We'll give you this many bus routes. It's a lot of kind of municipal, you know, you'll get a telegraph, fine. You know, it's a lot of kind of the municipal um, T's and I's that need to be crossed and dotted to create a sovereign country in the middle of an ancient capital city. Right. Um, so from 1929 on, the Pope can finally leave his little snit in St. Peter's and can travel and once again, see the world's Catholics. And he does, he's got a garage of cars and you know, the first cars owned by the Pope after the latter impacts are, you know, he's just got a series of Fiat's and Graham pages. Do you know that British automaker? I did not, but he's driving a Graham page. Um, he's in a rampage and a Graham page, but in 1930, um, needing something a little nicer and more permanent for his formal travels. That's when, Mercedes-Benz offers His Holiness. Graham Page was an American. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I guess I just assumed British. Yeah, an American automaker. Yeah, America. Woo. They made like those big, big big limos that you can see down at the Peterson Auto Auto Museum. I guess that makes sense. That's why. Because the Mercedes-Benz Nürburg that Benz offered was a stretch, so it um, it was unusually long. Um, and it was the first of many, again, that Mercedes-Benz would go on to provide the Vatican. This was the first car to have the license plate SCV-1, something Civitatis, uh, Stata, Status, Civitatis Vatican A, number one, basically. Mm-hmm. License plate number one for Vatican City, a country which I'm sure has sometimes up to... 30 cars, you know. But the Pope always gets number one. He's historically had that fancy um, personalized license plate. Hard to believe anybody else at the Vatican could argue that they should have the number one license plate. It would be funny if each new Pope got to pick a vanity plate, right? Uh 
you know, like I'll, you know, I'll get a fish, I'll get one of those Jesus fish and I'll put ichthyos on my plate or, um, hot mom, opus dei, <laughs> why would it say hot mom? I don't know. What? Hot moms. You think the Pope should have, should have a, like some kind of MILF themed license plate? <laughs> yeah. I think those would be shot down by the DMV in, in Washington state, let alone they would Vatican sure City. Here. But if you think about, if you think about who, uh, who makes up the majority of the, the, uh, the constituency of Catholicism, it's a lot of hot moms, right? They're a little bit older. They're, they're yes, but the hot pope, grandmoms. But the Pope is not typically trying to get their attention because of his vow celibacy. I see. I see what you're saying. Unless he, you know, hopes to, uh, hey, fellow, hot moms. fellowship and, you know, with the hot moms and perhaps, you know, test his own inner, yeah, yeah, sure. inner grit. If this Pope mobile's rocking, keep on walking. He it was an it was a it was a super tricked out Mercedes that had silk carpeting, which seems like a terrible uh, floor mat option for a car. Yeah, but his shoes never touch the ground, right? That's so true. he's got silky slippers, silk on silk. Lots of white doves embroidered or imprinted or, or etched everywhere. You're going to say the car was full of white. Yeah, doves. every time like, he opened the door, that's going to smell. The problem, yeah, the problem is the poop, of course. But it's such a great visual. It's like a John Woo movie. Yeah. Every time he gets out of the car. Um, the throne on which His Holiness sat in the backseat had a bunch of buttons in which it was very granular. He could actually literally backseat drive. I mean, it it didn't affect the drivetrain, but he could tell the chauffeur, uh, turn left. He'd hit the turn right button, hit the slow Ugh. down button, hit the speed up button. What a busy body. It's just like driving with my kids. Does it have, did it have like a, like a bottom uh, massager? <laughs> yeah, but, but it was a guy named Mario who, who always followed His Holiness around. Uh... It, what it did not have, even though Mercedes had offered this option since 1928, was uh, armored plating. Huh. It was not an armored car at first. Oh, because who would hurt the who Pope? Who would hurt the Pope? Uh, he, this car was in pretty good shape. You know, they made it built him to last back then, and this stayed in the papal garage for 30 years till 1960. I mean, he was also probably driving a, a series of other things uh, in the meantime. But, well, but those big old Mercedes that you would drive around if you were a head of state or say for instance invading Czechoslovakia um they looked pretty current even into the 50s yeah if you look at the 1930s era popmobile it's not a bad looking car even today oh. in 1960 John the 23rd was provided by Mercedes-Benz with a 300D mm-hmm. does that seem right a 300D feels like a pretty entry level diesel well that's uh that's what we're gonna see about a lot of these cars is they're not always the lincoln continental you would expect yeah the 300d is like the grocery getter for a certain kind of mom not to keep talking not about to moms, keep talking about catholic moms about which you're, you've been no, obsessed i, I guess. have no idea why a, a catholic moms mean so much your jesuit training has I really it's really pre- they're gonna make me fish on friday uh, this particular Benz 300D was a Landolette. Oh, okay. So that's a nice big fatty. A, a word I did not know. Yeah, where the I back, thought it was a brand of margarine. It's a convertible, except the back goes down and the front does not. That's correct. The front is basically its own little compartment. In this case, kind of like a limo with a hard top and a windshield. Yeah. The back is a convertible top, which can pull back. And you can see why this would be perfect for His Holiness. Um, they actually put handles on the the front of the... Sorry, handles on the back of the front divider, right? So that he could he could pull back the top, stand up, hold onto these handles, and smile and wave and and offer 
and offer blessings and homilies uh, as he drove around. Now, we did talk about this car uh, as a component of the, the Der Grosser. Oh, Der Grosser. Yeah. Was that a 300D or was that just a, there was a Landolette uh, version of a different There model. was an, the Adenauer and then there must have been, the, hmm, I forget exactly what the transition between the one and the other were. Apparently, a lot of these cars that have been used for this purpose over this, you know, speaking of their longevity, have had to be engineered for this purpose because, um, you know, generally they often drive much of their routes at extremely low speeds. Oh, right. And as we'll see increasingly, you know, the first one didn't have armor, but, you know, nowadays these are very, very heavy vehicles. And it would be so weird on the clutch right. to always be going two miles an hour. You'd be like, rrr, rrr, so these things rrr, have rrr. custom transmissions that allow for long life, even if you're driving at two miles an hour in a, in a five ton car, a lot of the time. For a long time when I was, uh, when I was in my, uh, late twenties, I had a, I had an eighties Ford F two fifty with a canopy that had a, chevy 350 motor in it and there was a kind of lopiness to the motor where i could just put it in drive and not touch the gas and the car would the truck would just naturally go 15 miles an hour and i used to drive up and down rainier avenue at about 15 miles an hour in this truck because it was such a the truck communicated don't mess with this guy and, it's it's just, just, and is that the right speed for that? Yeah, it had Alaska plates, and I think the whole vibe of it was just like, you know what, go around him. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed just kind of g- going at what it, what effectively was just natural idle speed. And I'm sure that's what the Pope Mobile does too. Have you ever seen, uh, do you have any experience driving an electric where nowadays a lot of them offer what's called one-pedal driving? No. The idea is that... Um, you should not have to switch your foot between the brake and accelerator like oh a, like a dummy, like, like a peon. We haven't figured out a way around that. Basically, the idea is once you lift your foot off the accelerator, that's telling the car, please brake. No, that's the worst. Don't do that. I hate it. It's the worst idea. It's a, one of many things that um, pretty much scotched the Tesla for me because that used to be an option in the Tesla where you could turn it, you could turn that off or on. So, you know, normally... You take your foot off the gas and you coast like a normal human being. Yes. Now it's like you, know, you kind of have to relearn this skill where you're pretty much always on the gas to some degree, and you kind of have to let up lightly if you want to come to a stop. No. Um, and Tesla finally made it mandatory because you know, of course, Elon knows best. And it's mandatory now on Teslas. The Model Three that uh, that I was test driving did not have a way to turn off one pedal driving. You push down to go forward and you let up to brake. Oh, God. And people, you know, people get used to it. And once they do, they like it. And I think they feel like they're driving more efficiently because, you know, there's now that you've got these, uh, what, regenerative braking, you know. Oh, I see. But, you know, what's actually more effective or efficient than regenerative braking is coasting. And Coast. the way we learned to drive was actually pretty good way to save, conserve power. Yeah. You don't ever touch the brake unless you actively want to stop. The rest of the time, you just take your foot off the gas. So I have disabled it in my car and oh you can disable it in the in the yeah the the, the polestar i drive it's an option and i think most people actually turn it on because that's the future i see and i'm like the future is all your kids learning everything from youtube also but you can disable that in your kid you can disable your kids 
there's a series of other similar benzes. There's a 600. See, now that's the fatty. 600 Pullman. I bet that's yeah. a pretty nice car. Well, that's yeah, now, the, that's now we're the getting into, Now we're getting into, yeah, that's right. Now we're getting into these 60s looking town cars. Um, he drove a Citroen, really? That seems unlikely. Yeah, he drove a convertible. Maybe this was for a visit to, to France. Um, and in 1979, visiting Ireland, they actually tricked out a 15-seat Ford, Tra- Ford Transit, which is what? Some kind of a... It's a van. Yeah, it is. It's a 15-seat thing that... Um, uh, I think they kept 15 seats. So he's up, he's up front in a little platform. There's seats in a covered part of the truck behind him. And this... Where uh, dignitaries are sitting? I guess. Hmm. And this was the truck that became known as, first in the press, as the Pope Mobile. On this visit to Ireland, a reporter jokingly said, you know, His Holiness has uh, outfitted this new blah, blah, blah for his tour. And that was the... Um, origin of Pope Mobile. He he went from that trip to America where he drove around uh, uh, a Ford Bronco, I think. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And that was and so that was kind of the popular entrance of Pope Mobile into the American lexicon. Where but it does, turns out the Irish got there first. Where does Blank Mobile come from as a way of uh, because they were referencing something with Pope Mobile? It's right? got to be Batman. I mean, it's it's blank, it's automobile. And Oldsmobile, very early on, I think. That's probably maybe the earliest um, uh-huh. new coinage, a portmanteau of automobile with something else. Well, but, I, I, I bet Oldsmobile's the earliest. And, but then, you know, it comes into the... Pupmobile. It comes into the public um, lexicon very much through the Batmobile. And that seems funny to us because he's also got his bat signal and his bat cave, and he's got a bat everything. And do, do people make that uh, joke about the Pope? The... Does, the, the, does the Pope poop in a bat cave? No, what do no, you mean? No, he's got the Pope cave. Oh, yeah, he pope, lives in the Pope cave. Pope yeah, light. that's right. Look, the Pope signal. He jumps into action. I think I, I think he should do that, actually. The one, the thing about the Irish Ford Transit is that uh, it later was bought by the... This goes to your question about whether you can consecrate and or deconsecrate a Pope mobile. It was later bought by some kind of Dublin wax museum that decided to rent it out for $380 an hour for... Weddings and funerals. Hen parties, I guess. Uh Whatever they call bachelorette parties over there. Other kinds of, you know, uh, stupid young people get-togethers. Because you could rent the Pope-mobile by the hour. Um, I would do that. I'm sure that got some kind of media criticism in in Catholic Ireland. Oh, I bet. What a bunch of killjoys. They discontinued the fun in 2012. Speaking of killjoys, this era of the Pope-mobile all changed on May 13th, 1981 when Pope John Paul II is in his Fiat Campagnola. Am I reading that right? Mm -hmm. Um, He's entering St. Peter's Square to do his usual toot-toot. So he's right in in his home turf. Yes. And the Fiat Campagnola is a kind of... It It looks like a Jeep or something as I'm looking at it here. Yeah, it sort of feels based on um, the Mercedes, but I guess it's probably like a... It's more of a Jeep. It looks Jeep-like, and maybe that's just because it's got the flag of the Vatican flying on the front where you would normally expect the, uh, you know, the UN flag to be flying on a Jeep and mash. Yeah. Uh, and it's got his little handlebar where he can stand up in the back. He's waving in the back, uh, and suddenly a Turkish assassin in the crowd fires four bullets at His Holiness, all of which strike John Paul II, two lodge in his lower intestine. Um 
The other two hit him in the arm and the finger, but both of those pass on and actually wound two Americans in the crowd, I believe. Whoa. Did, um, was, there a, was there a mystery bullet that, that hit him in the <laughs> front and then Well, it almost John seems like Connelly? a mystery bullet because I was reading, wait, he was hit four times. The guy fired four bullets. He was hit four times, but also two tourists in the crowd are wounded. But I think the bullet to his arm only grazed him and the bullet that hit his right index finger just, you know, passed right through. And those were... Those uh, came to rest in whoever the Governor Connolly of this situation is, uh, two American women in, in St. Peter's Square. This was Mamet Aga? Yeah, A-G-C-A. I don't know if Aga? I'm going to say all the Turkish consonants right, because I'm, su- I'm sure they have little dangling bits. Yeah, but they do. And uh, I, I've started to think this should be its own omnibus, because I was not aware of this. I, what I, was his problem? Well, that's the question. I see. Uh I think at the time, the speculation centered on uh, the Pope had planned a trip to Istanbul, which perhaps would be disrespectful to the area's Muslims, or the fact that at the time, the Grand Mosque in Mecca had actually been uh, occupied by Islamic militants not loyal to the Saudi royal family. So there was a whole lot of upheaval going on not really. in the Arab world. That doesn't have much of, to do with the Pope. No, the Pope actually hired these oh. militants. Well, no, but it was the, the, the conspiracy theories of the time centered around the fact that, well, obviously the U.S. and Israel are responsible for this desecration of our holiest spot. Oh, I see, I see. Then you have to do another jump to, well, and the Pope is probably in on these mm-hmm. Illuminati discussions with the, the U.S. and Israel when they, when they decide to take over mosques. You know, considering the Blue Mosque was originally a Christian church, I feel like— Are you still mad about that one? I feel like, let's everybody just calm down. Um, but over the years, the assassin who survived and was prosecuted and immediately forgiven, by the way, by John Paul II. Famous and, photograph. Uh, which of him forgiving him? Yeah, he go, goes to visit him in prison and is kneeling there. Yeah, and he, you know, he announced very early in the papers, you know, please, do, you know, I, I forgive my assassin, please do not. Uh, you know, he had, a, he, had a, he had a good sense of the kind of thing the Vicar of Christ should be saying there. Um, but over the years, the assassin's account of his reasoning has changed many times. And I think this is going to be its own omnibus because a lot of the speculation has come to rest on what the, uh, Soviet bloc would have thought about, a uppity Polish Pope and could shadowy forces in Bulgaria or even Moscow have had something to do with this. This is all part of the solidarity movement. Were you aware that there was this kind of, uh, Brezhnev had the Pope shot uh, uh, criminology? I was not. No, I guess not, although I definitely was aware of the Pope playing a large role with Lech Walesa in the, in the Polish solidarity movement. So it does make sense, right? It does. That, that it's, it's very dangerous to have this, uh, this Polish religious figure who is beloved all over Western Europe and behind the uh, Iron Curtain. Although, as we recall, the Polish Communist Party had a terrible time even trying to convince the union dock workers not to basically destroy the country. It doesn't seem like if Brezhnev was going to kill some uh, some national leader, there were a few people to start with before the Pope. Also, don't they have a polonium umbrella or something? They really yeah. need a Turkish guy with a... It was two Turkish guys with, I think they had a makeshift bomb as well, although it never went off. Um, so by Occam's razor, maybe it's just too... Two nutty dingbats, right? Um, with a, with too much free in time. In a book depository, yeah. In a in a hymnal depository, I guess. Uh, well, so, let's do that on a future omnibus. Yeah, we'll do the we'll do the Pope assassination conspiracies. 
How long do we have to wait? Can we do it next week or do we have to <laughs> do we have to Let's wait? Let's start it like right now. Year? Special episode. No, we won't do that. So this changes the world of Pope Mobiles because suddenly can't our, just put the Pope in a Jeep anymore. Yeah, this is like our 19, you know, 1963 moment of, you know, the Vatican losing its innocence and the Pope might need bulletproof protection. You would think back in 1963, everybody would have gotten that message. Yeah, you'd think with all, and you know, through 68 with the spate of world assassinations. Or maybe 1914. Right. A lot of people getting killed in, and wasn't he in a carriage, right? Car. Was it a car? Yeah. Uh, Carriage-like car. Well, a car has a carriage, has an undercarriage. Right. Therefore, the part you sit in must be the carriage. So does a Catholic mom, for that matter. <laughs> so the Pope has to switch to some more modified, tricked-out cars. His his appearances subsequent to 1981 are in a Mercedes, first in a Mercedes-Benz 230G. Does that seem right? Okay, so that's going to be a, that's going to start to be one of the uh, Mercedes Jeeps. Yeah, and it's been it's off road ready because then you know his his route can be very flexible. You know, if if for some reason the car has to be brought in over a lawn or over gravel or over a hill, no problem. These are known as the G wagons or the G wagons, uh, which are a whole Mercedes subcult. Do Catholic moms have a G wagon? A lot in, of in them their do. undercarriage. If, the you, if you could, if you can find it, <laughs> the rich ones do. Uh, and, but but you know, for a long time, the G wagon was in some doubt. A lot of uh, sexologists doubted it was even. I don't think the G wagon even ever came off the assembly line. But the G wagons are these like kind of hand built Mercedes Jeeps that have become fetish items, and now they're like if you want to buy a Mercedes and drive it around on Sunset in Los Angeles with ground effects under it. This is the most expensive one you can buy. I mean, uh, now that they don't make the... Uh, do you think the Pope had kind of a low-rider uh, uh, version of this? This was probably back when they were still kind of military Jeeps. This is the one that has what we think of as the iconic Mobile accoutrement, which is that um, tall, you know, that weird little greenhouse thing he stands in. It's like a tall cupola yeah. made of either bulletproof glass or plastic. Um yeah, we we called it the uh, what the sunroom? No, the, um, the hot house solarium. The, yeah, it yeah. Looks, it looks like he's in a little phone booth, kind of. Right. Like he's uh, he's got his own little TARDIS back there, and it's you know it's pr- now you know it used to be he used to have one like this that he would just put on for adverse weather that just was basically plastic sheeting. This one had Cone bulletproof glaze. <laughs> yeah, when we were tired of hearing that guy. No, uh, and the Pope talks with his hands a lot because he's usually Italian, so it's yeah. got to have a lot of room for him to maneuver. Hey. You don't want him to be bumping the glass when he's what's the matter you? When he's what's blessing the matter somebody. me? What's the matter you? Yeah, the Pope is always <laughs> saying his classic catchphrase: "What's the matter you?" <laughs> uh, <coughs> so, but now this thing is permanently <coughs> affixed to meet the highest standards of you know the highest security standards of these new security consultants that are now planning His Holiness's itineraries. And it's got to have this new special AC system, like a yeah. like an anti-fog system. It's hot in there. Yeah, but also you don't want it fogging up. That would be embarrassing. Oh, that would be The Pope's driving around and all you can see is kind of a vague blur. No, he's drawing hearts <laughs> and making little animal paw prints. Drawing the Jesus fish yeah. and giving a thumbs up. I like it. Um, so for the rest of, you know, when he goes on various trips, you know, it might be a Range Rover in London and it might be a... a Oh, he has a little Seat in Spain at one point, but they all have this thing on the back that gets 
welded into place. And there are presumably some dimensions that are standardized, like the Pope's this big and it needs to be this big. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, and it, this is all Pope John Paul II, so his measurements don't change much over the years. Um, and, you know, he became the most traveled Pope. Before, prior to John Paul II, I don't think, I think it was kind of unusual for the Pope to be like, hey, guess what, gang? I'm going to Mexico. Right. Whereas under under John Paul, it was very much like, Modern Pope. He, he's never been to Bolivia. He's never been to Anchorage. He's never been to Baton Rouge. You know, he's never been to Johannesburg. And he he got around and huge crowds formed everywhere. But it meant he was in a series of convertibles or buses or pickups or or even uh, box fans that had all been modified with this kind of, you know, a new bed with this kind of bulletproof glazing on it. I wonder if he was ever in any ty- Toyota Hiluxes. I bet he was. <laughs> You know, they don't, you know, you look back and none of these things look particularly fancy because it's just whatever Peugeot Uruguay or Paraguay wanted to trick out. Yeah. I don't actually see a Toyota. He seems to be staying away from Japanese brands entirely, maybe because most of his travel is in North and South America and Western Europe. But I'm sure on the occasional Japanese trip, he would, he might consider one. There are a few Catholics in Japan. Sure. Not a ton, though. And there's a few Hiluxes that don't have an anti-aircraft gun. And few. you could put a Pope there instead, yeah. where, the, where the gun used to be. He can, he can kind of rotate on the, on the old armature and mm-hmm. wave instead of, uh, instead of shooting wave down. wave the Pope. Wave the whole Pope. <laughs> uh, wave with the legs, Your Holiness. In 2002, bad news for fans of uh, the papal automotive industry. Oh, no. John Paul announced that uh, he didn't think that it was appropriate to call his car the Mobile. Oh, he was a little bummed. It, he felt he felt like it was kind of mocking. Taking away the dignity of... I mean, I don't know why he thinks his car needs to have dignity, but I, 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 he, it's the Batman thing we were talking about. He doesn't like Pope hyphen becoming yeah. a, a, a source of, of fun in headlines. This sounds like something Kanye would do. <laughs> No, wouldn't he want everyone to call his car the Kanye mobile? No, now it's the now it's the Kayfabe mobile or the the Jeez <laughs> mobile. The Yeezy mobile. Yeah. Um but I don't think it ever actually stuck. You really can, I mean once and once you you can never you know what never works is being like, "Hey, you know that nickname you guys all use for me? It's fun, but let's let's don't." And the thing about a pope is the pope's going to be surrounded by people that that agree with them. Yeah, sure. No, nobody will say, nobody yeah. will say Popemobile anymore. Your so holiness. forgets that, you know, that probably Problem solved. people in Brooklyn aren't going to necessarily stop. This year, it. I don't know if you're, how closely you were following the Mariners this season, but they're so closely. They, you and I went to multiple games together, so did. you know how closely I But are them. you following closely enough to know which of them has a nice big butt? Or do you follow, do, who do you follow more closely? Catholic moms or Mariners catchers? In terms of butts, Catholic moms. The, the Mariners uh, catcher, who looks like he's a, a future all-star, he's one of the best, he's probably the best catcher in the American League, even though this is like his first full year. Yeah, get it up there. He's a little thick, speaking of getting it up there, he's a little thick in the haunches. He's chonk. He's a little chonky. I support um, chonkness. And, which, you know, makes sense, somebody who's in a squat mm-hmm. three hours a night. Mm-hmm. Um, the internet just, just started calling him, I think it was actually Jared Kelnick, it was another player on the team who used it first, but the internet started calling him Big Dumper. Oh, I don't like that. Well, he didn't like it. It seemed he he seemed a little skeptical in interviews, but it was it was expressed with such affection by the fans that you started to see it catching on. Like his his name would appear in lineup cards, like the on the wall of the dugout. It wouldn't say Raleigh's batting fifth. It would say Big Dumper. 
dumper. And finally, he embraced it. And when he, do you not like dumper for butt? No, I yeah, don't. Yeah, I don't like emphasizing the excretory function of the butt. No, because much of the butt does not participate. He's not. He's not famous for its for being like for its capacity to dump. Not, he's like famous for ninety nine point five percent of the surface area of the butt does not participate in yeah, the dump. That's right. Right. Yeah. It, it has other uh, aesthetic functions. Well, and the thing there is a lot of language around butts. There is, and we don't know it because we're middle aged white people, <laughs> and we're not supposed to know it. No, no, no. But you, you know, it's usually gendered. Mm-hmm. That we talk about some butts, but not others. Well, maybe this is good that we're talking about. We're sexualizing a, a second-year catcher. Well, but why shouldn't we use the same sexual language? Why shouldn't we call it a fanny or or a, a tushy? A, yeah, a, a patootie. I guess none of well, those these are, these are, very are all sexy. Ba- these are all baby words for a baby's butt. Yeah. What are some of the things? Well, badonka donk. I guess. Yeah. Why don't we call him the big badonka donk? I like that. The dumper. But anyway, he's into it? Well, he ended, I think he kind of had to embrace it, like John Paul II did not. Like, he hit the game, the the homer, the game-winning homer, the walk-off homer that clinched the playoff spot for the Mariners this year. And the coach came back out on the field after with a cigar on his teeth and got on the PA and said, Big Dumper! Those were like his first words of his speech. So it's it's all over now. Like oh he's he's the Pope Mobile, whether he wants to be or not. I guess it, I guess maybe he'll take the word dumper back. Yeah. And now it's gonna mean like maybe maybe if else. you're younger than us, you when you hear dumper, you just think of a generic butt. It doesn't convey the the actual dumping process as, as viscerally as it would to you or, or to me. All right. I don't know. I cannot get inside the head of the young. Hey TikTok teens, please let us know what you picture when you see the word big dumper <laughs> also for him it could be he's dumping home runs he's dumping, that's the thing he's right? dumping base hits. that's one other way you could say like he dumps he dumps the he's a uh, what do you call it when people reappropriate slurs in a in a positive way he's re- reappropriating is that the word yeah i thought there was a better word for that uh no, i don't know i don't think so hey woke teens let us know what the actual word is for when you empower yourself by saying the slur in 2009 Hyundai ran an April Fool's ad in the UK. What do you think about this tradition of companies putting out April Fool's campaigns and being like, guess what? McDonald's isn't going to have burgers anymore, lol. Now we just do lasagna. I like it as long as it doesn't incite panic in the streets. Hyundai announced that they were going to provide, that they were now the official providers of the Pope Mobile. And the joke being, you know, Hyundai at the time, well, 2009, Hyundai's a well-established car maker. But the idea that you would not, the Pope would not be in a Korean compact. Right. But the joke was on Hyundai. Oh. Because, because just four years later, in 2013, an Argentine cardinal, Jesuit, that's your boy, named yep. Jorge Mario Bergoglio, became Pope Francis. Oh. And huge Hyundai fan. Famously a man of the... Yeah, famously a Hyundai fan. Uh-huh. Always, always talking about it. You know, he's always got those Hyundai magazines... But he's one of these humble popes. You don't he's, see him that often. We we say one of those, but I don't know if there's been one in uh, recent memory. He kind of he kind of created this new uh, pope paradigm, papadigm, if you will, mm-hmm. whereby the pope could actually embrace the humility and uh, simplicity that we associate with uh, the savior he emulates. A pope in blue jeans. Yeah, and literally, he probably did. You know, he which one of these cups? Is suitable for a carpenter. It's a curry cup. And he's like, not, no, not that one. 
you know, he, coming up in turbulent Argentina of the late 20th century, you can imagine this was a guy who had to, was very familiar with poverty and, and mm-hmm. seeing deprivations, privations firsthand. Currency devaluations. Right. All the in, rampant inflation that led to the lousy Argentine economy and therefore the Falklands War. But also seeing a series of kind of corrupt governments come and go with all their flashy ostentation of whatever a Latin American generalissimo needs to have this week. Eva Peron. And those two things combined seem to have really reinforced his particular Jesuit ethos of it's a bad look for the Pope to have fancy trappings when others are in need. Right. Um, And that's why he's Pope Francis. It's a nod to Francis of Assisi, who's associated with simplicity and poverty and rural life and, you know, chilling with donkeys instead of with dignitaries. That's why he wears Crocs with socks. (laughs) Yeah. He's the first. What if if Crocs did make some, like, white papal Crocs with with doves stamped in them? You've seen white Crocs. All they need is the doves. Uh, you know, famously, when he was in uh, the church in Buenos Aires, he would always take public transit. Even in Rome, he would just he would just hop on a hop on a bus or a streetcar. Seems good until two Turkish guys get on with a bomb. Well, this was before he was pope, but you know, at the conclave where he was elected pope, just to answer your question about yes, he was there. He got back in the minibus back to the hotel with the four guys he had come with. They're like, "No, you're you're the pope now. Your limo's over there." And he's like, no, I got this, I got this ride. And, you know, he carried his own bags. We were in the middle of a conversation. Yeah, we were, you know, I was talking to the driver. So he carries his own bags back onto the minibus and thence back into the hotel. Um, Did I ever tell you about the first time I played a a festival show when I joined Harvey Danger? No. Uh, It was at a big festival. I'd never been. Where? uh, It was the one on Kitsap County, End Fest. All right. And, um. I'd never played on one of those big stages and we played the show, rock show, rock show. And then we got done and I immediately knelt down and started winding up my cables and putting all of my little boxes over to the side. Oh, John, we have some, Sean, like we have someone. No, they were all gone. The entire rest of the band was like (laughs) off stage back in the dressing room and I'm up there coiling my cables and I look up and I'm surrounded by people uh, dressed all in black with, with uh, leather men and flashlights on their belts and they're like, dude, get out of here. I'm like, what? I got to get my stuff. And they're like, we do that. That's what we do. You go, go. And then I have the, you it's, know. It's like a play. The actors leave and the guys in black and yeah. black uh, leotards come out and move all the stuff. So then I It's stand embarrassing up. to have an actor out there. Yeah. And I look out at the crowd and they're all looking at me because there's nothing else to look at. <laughs> and I was like, okay, bye. You know, kind of limp <laughs> off the stage. Like, oh. Good night, kids up. Where's my Pope mobile? So this is a pope that did not like the fancy stuff. And in fact, he started... There dr- is a pope. Sorry, yes. does yes. not like it. To this day, as we record, he is still the sitting pope. And he is still tootling around the Vatican in a Ford Focus. Famously, sometimes he drives a 1984 Renault with 186,000 miles on it that's still going, which is actually pretty good for a 1984 Renault, right? I wouldn't have thought of that as a particularly well-engineered car. When you say it had 186,000 miles, I was like, but that, that number has to keep changing. But then the Vatican's only a mile <laughs> yeah. across, so maybe it doesn't. Yeah, he drives cross-country, and it's like 186,001. I got to do another trans cross-country trip from Holy See to Shining Holy See. Now, how do you feel about this kind of humility in... in uh, uh, big r- royal figures. There was like, a lot of discussion about this when the queen died, right? Yeah. 
you know, because famously she was for austerity and for cutting back, but it seemed like, you know, the compatible with Marxism position is like, this lady should not even right. exist. Oh, boo-hoo, she only has eight castles and her dad had 28, you know? Yeah. No no queens, so, even though, yeah, um, her, her father had 28 uh, countries that were dependencies. And- right. She only had four. And there's there's kind of similar, I mean, it's not colonialism, but with the Catholic Church, it's all colored by abuse scandals and so forth, you know, like... Well, it's, it's colonialism. It's a kind of colonialism, I guess. They were the spearhead of colonialism. They were the ones that said, you can't speak your language or practice your religion. No, I'm not saying the Catholic Church is not implicated in colonialism. Hold up your sign. Which one is it? it, it well, no, I don't, I'm just saying that the, tw- you know, the 21st century concerns with the evils of the Catholic Church are more likely yeah, to... Right. To revolve around Abuse. clerical scandals, you know, even though um, they have an awful lot of the world's money buried under their that, exactly in their cavern. But I had, to, I, I think I was like, after the queen died, I was kind of sympathetic. I was like, she didn't ask for any of that. It's she, she was did, just she, a little. Queen. She did the best. She probably did like so many. You know, in baseball terms, so many wins above replacement, better than you know Philip would have done as king or something. You know. <sighs> like, like, imagine that you've got to give her some credit for making the best of it, even if the institution is. Pretty tainted by the time she accedes. But there's always that tendency with especially European royalty now to be photographed in admittedly pressed blue jeans, but like, no, 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 we're just regular out here. We're just like the Kennedys. But please do not take away our titles and our our nice villa and the yacht. Please don't take away the yacht. Right. And I'm, so, so the Pope in a Ford Focus. I mean, he seems legit. But I'm holding. I'm holding up compatible with Marxism. Actually, okay. okay. I mean, I think uh, I don't know when we're. I mean, I don't know if we're going to get another simple Jesuit intellectual right. in the Vatican in our lifetime. Well, so. like S- South and Central American liberation uh, Catholicism, to which he is sympathetic, I believe. Yeah, and that was a that that seems to have also somewhat played super. itself out. We need a super compatible with That's Marxism true. sign for, for liberation theology. But, you know, in addition to preferring his, his simpler cars and actually, in fact, riding around in a Kia Soul and a Hyundai Santa Fe it, during various state visits, um, he hated the greenhouse. He hated the pump mobile. Really? I mean... Because it kept him from... I mean, yeah. no one no one ever discussed, does the popal, does the papal... Like shine hand penetrate bulletproof glass, <laughs> right? Or does it? Is is it? Are you uh, saying the power of God, the blessings of God, can't get through bullet? With God, nothing's impossible. I John. don't know. It it's, just feels like are, it's in the New Testament. How much of that energy is bouncing back? And Onto the Pope's him. just blessing himself oh, over. Oh, baby, over. I can feel it. I mean, you. It's probably get some of it gets through. He sure, can feel but. the virtue go out of him. Oh, and then it bounces off the glass. It goes right back in. Ah. So he says he doesn't want the glass. Uh, he calls it a glass sardine can, which implies that he he finds it both uncomfortable and like just a weird look. It would make more sense if he were Sardinian. <laughs> yeah, it's a glass Sardinian can. Uh, and the quote he gave when he was discussing why he was getting rid of the of the traditional John Paul era mobile, he said, "It's true that anything could happen to me, but at my age, who cares? Who cares? Basically, like well, all Catholics. It's true, but I think personally for him, he thinks." It's more important to, you know, they'll get another pope. I see. And, you know, the the bishop of Rome is the vicar of Christ, no matter who it is. So, theologically, um, it's fine. It's fine when he gets, you know, when Benedict stepped down, it was fine. And when he gets replaced, it'll be fine as well. Um, so, when he's on the road, he's often in a modified, you know, a Suzu or a Kia or a Fiat or something. But he's just kind of standing in the back waving. 
in the Philippines, this is my favorite. He actually rode in a modified jeepney. Yeah. You, are you familiar with these? Yeah, the super modified. It's like a Jeeps, mini bus, but... and they've got the colorful. You know, in the Philippines or in Filipino town in LA, they got the colorful. Yeah. Paintings. His was his was white with a nothing but a papal seal and not the traditional, uh, gaily bedecked um, paintwork. But he's just waving from the back of a kind of a traditional mini bus that you would ride home from work in Manila, and the people go bonkers for it. So it just goes to show that whatever the Pope rides in. Is the Pope mobile even it's a, even if it's a jeepney and has no bulletproof glass? He's like uh, he's like the Keanu Reeves of uh, global religions. Do you want to recommend to His Holiness if if say he listens to the podcast or a future a future Pope? Mm-hmm. You know, Francis the Twenty Eighth is listening in the year three thousand. Like, is there a, a, as a car guy? Mm. Is there something you'd like to see uh, the Pope in? If I were a Pope, I would drive around in a nineteen sixty five Cadillac convertible. But I'm unlikely to be the Pope. You're like, in that car, you're like the Pope of Greenwich Village. And that concludes the Pope Mobile. Entry 965.je4615. Certificate number 15163 in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are archived at at Omnibus Project. You can find Ken Jennings and myself at our respective names online. You can email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com. Send us all your thorny Catholic theological problems. We will figure them out. That's right. We'll, we'll, we will tell you how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. How many popes can dance in the back of a Hilux? One pope at a time. That's right. Although there are two, there are two popes right now. I mean... I don't think that's true. I don't think Benedict ever got. I mean, he's, he's not Pope, but you Pope Emeritus. Yeah, I don't know. You don't unconsecrate a Pope. I'm, I'm guessing. Do they still call him His Holiness? They I would must. assume so. They must. He's like the Pope Mother. He's not going to back off. To, he's the Pope Mother. <laughs> well, he's almost a hundred. So, yeah, yeah. He's it is it, it is in fact Pope Emeritus. So there are two popes. Pope Emeritus. Although one is Pope Asterisk. Yeah, good old Pope Asterisk. Pope in uh, residence, uh, po- uh-huh. vice pope. Uh-huh. I don't know. Senior pope. Yeah. Senior v- status pope, like a federal judge. Assistant to the regional pope. Uh, you can mail us things, including all your Catholic ephemera and also ephemera from the Knights of Malta or. Uh, send, of- send us your hair shirt. Send us. Do not send us your hair shirt. My God. If you send us a hair shirt, mark it for Ken. Uh, you can. I'm a medium. I'm a men's medium. You can hang out with other futurelings and uh, and yell at us by talking to each other by going to the internet and typing in the word futurelings and then picking whatever social media portal fits you best. Yeah, you decide. Go to the internet. Go to the internet. And then it's a choose-your-own-adventure book. Well, let's see what happens. Have I done it's this It's a before? maze of twisty passages all alike. If I go to the internet, now, th- this, of course, Are means, you Googling the internet? No, I'm not, but I am putting future links in. Of course, the thing is that it, the internet knows me, right? So it's going to give me something. It takes me to, oh, wow. The first thing is the Omnibus Podcast Futurelings on Reddit. 
Oh, wow. Reddit outranks Facebook and Google? Yeah. It's true that Facebook is not well Google indexed. There are 3,000 members of the Omnibus Reddit. I Um, I never go there. There is a website, https dot slash slash or colon slash slash futurelings.com. Yeah, but isn't this just somebody squatting for our benefit? Let's go there. Yeah, it is. Connection established. Omnibus Project, Futurelings Facebook group. So, somebody's actually paying for this hosting and registration, and we never did anything good with it. I am super glad that they do. That is, it says update pending, try again later, and it's done absolutely in a 1990 yeah. internet style. Using the, um, using kind of the technology conceit that we have largely abandoned on the show, but that this site continues to champion. Now let's see, wait a minute, what, what, what happens? Okay, and then the third thing, so Futurelings is second, the third thing is Facebook, Omnibus on Facebook. And then Cotton Bureau somehow gets in there with some of our t-shirts. Yeah, good job, Cotton Bureau. Goodreads.com. Way to hustle. And then our merchandise store, which we which we appreciate you going to. There's going to be a lot of lot new stuff there. We need to get new shirts up. And then IntrepidMuseum.org has episode 420, Cask 263, why? Entry one nine one. Why does the intrepid museum? That's your. Isn't that your single malt scotch episode? Yeah. What does the intrepid museum care about that? Well, let's go there and see. The artist. It says how to get airdrop. What? I don't want that. Has the intrepid museum hacked our website and stealing our content? Yeah, maybe this clicking on that was not. That took me to a place called Weird Rabbit, which I didn't like being there at all. Get out, get out. Uh, so anyway, I the don't calls know. calls are coming from inside the rabbit. <laughs> anyway, futurelings, go to those places. And maybe you'll get different results. And uh, hang out with other futurelings. And, and uh, good luck, God bless. One of my favorite things on social media is when somebody says, look look how corrupt this country is. I type in men into Google, and the first thing it says is um, men, men pegging me or whatever. Oh. And, and these are people who don't know that their search results, Google search results are tailored to the user based on, Lol. based on past internet use. And so you've got all these conservatives shaking their fingers at look how, look how perverse the world has become. So if yeah, I, buddy, if I put men in, here's what comes up. Men's work shoes of the 1990s. <laughs> See, that's very <laughs> accurate. And then the second one is men's ping pong. Mine just went to mental floss. So mm. that's, that's very on brand. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and you can support the show at patreon.com slash omnibus. We have a lot of fun here, and you can have fun, too, by joining our Patreon. You can go back to watching your men's ping pong videos. I'm just going to finish the show. <laughs> Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. You're rooting around in the rusted, burned-out husks of our mobiles. But we hope and pray that catastrophe that we fear so may never come. If the worst comes soon, of course, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus. <laughs>